Hello, everybody, and welcome to Bankston Family Fun Time. I am your host and game master, Cody Bankston. I will be joined by my parents, uh, Karen and Gary, my brother Nick, and my sister-in-law Molly. We're going to be uh, playing some uh, tabletop RPGs game for you, uh, specifically uh, a hack of lasers and feelings. If you're not familiar with it, don't worry. It works a lot like pretty much all tabletop RPGs. They're going to tell me what they want to do. They're going to roll some dice. And depending on how those dice rolls go, uh, things could go well for them. They could go very badly. I just wanted to kind of give you a little bit of an intro here so you kind of know what you're getting yourself into. I would describe the setting for the game as Brooklyn Nine-Nine meets the X-Files. Going to be some wacky paranormal investigations set in uh, Wisconsin in the mid-80s. And just another quick heads up for you, uh, when you start the episode, it's going to seem as though you're uh, entering in the middle of a conversation that the team is having, uh, and that is exactly what you will be listening to. Uh, and when we recorded this first episode, I did not hit the record button in time. So just to kind of catch you up, the team uh, gets a vehicle that they are sort of just like figuring out what they want uh, and how they want it to work and everything. So that's what they're going to be doing uh, as soon as you jump into the recording. So just wanted to let you know that that's what's going on there. And one more thing I just wanted to mention before we get going here is that, uh, you know, when we started uh, recording these, we did not know exactly that we wanted to turn them into a podcast. It sort of turned into that over time. So if you notice any sound quality or editing issues, I just kind of ask that you bear with us because, you know, we are definitely still very much uh, amateurs in every sense of the word when it comes to podcasting. However, I've listened to the episodes. I think they sound pretty good. Uh, we're very happy with them and we're very excited to share them with you. So I hope you all enjoy as much as we enjoy playing them, and I will talk to you again at the end of the episode. I was looking at, like, attributes for the vehicle, like armory and trunk or mobile base. Those two seemed kind of like the most appropriate for an RV. We'd be, like, well-equipped. It could be a gas guvler, difficult to steer. It could be slow. Probably all of the above. Quite frankly, I think any of those would be applicable. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think at any given moment, I... Um, could find a way to work one of those into the situation that you're in. I mean, if it's all four of those, I feel like it would be a sweet ride. It's got the armory, it's got the mobile base, and it's durable. Yeah, I think it should, like, obvious in terms of having DIG plastered across the side of it, or... No, no, we're not... Oh, like, it's just obvious in the sense that it's a fucking RV. Like, yeah. <laughs> have you ever, like, not noticed an RV? Because I haven't. <laughs> not like, oh, yeah, just park it behind that bush and nobody will notice. Like, no, it's a fucking RV. Like, yeah. <laughs> it, it'd be those four of those things, but, like, which one is the most problematic for you guys? I think Difficult to Steer might have the most <laughs> story potential. <laughs> Anything that big is a huge pain in the ass am, to drive. Yeah, but I'm all, like, I can drive. And I'm a big, strong asshole, so I'll just run stuff over. We got an RV with an armory in the truck, it's a mobile van, and it's just a pig to steer, which kind of fits our mind. Where do you store the RV when you're not like actively using it? Like, do you just park it down at like the Dade County Sheriff like motor pool or whatever they call that thing? Probably one of us takes it home on the weekends and that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I think my cousin would let us park it in the DQ parking lot. <laughs> yeah, we can park it at the diner. We can park it behind the diner. Or like Spooky Jimmy could park it at his house and like so he could work on it on the weekend because I feel like I'm like the tinkerer of the group. Yeah, that's true. Okay, cool. It's gonna it's gonna stay at the Bianchi household on the weekend. Yeah, just me and my dead ghost dad hanging out working on the RV during the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> 
So that is a pretty good segue into like character backgrounds. Kind of walk through them like one at a time, just real quick. Do we? Is this like the first time this unit's getting put together? Or do we already kind of know each other? So the paranormal investigation group. Uh, aka pig it's probably been in existence for maybe a couple months at this point and you've investigated a few cases here and there but you're able to kind of debunk you know any sort of mystery that is involved and you uh determine that there have not been any paranormal threats in any <laughs> of the cases you've handled so far it was just like Amusement park owner in a rubber mask. Exactly. It was a very <laughs> Scooby-Doo type situation for your first two cases. And now, like, this kind of where we're going to start off is going to be your first kind of real uh, paranormal case uh, that you're going to have to tackle. Yeah, at this point, you've probably been working with each other for six to eight weeks. You're somewhat familiar with each other. Why don't we, Nick, since you kind of already mentioned a little bit about your character, do you want to just go first and kind of talk me through Spooky Jimmy Bianchi? Is that a name that he likes? Like, does he does he own up being called Spooky Jimmy Bianchi? He he didn't like it as a kid. Like, he got it as a kid because he was like super weird and like everybody made fun of me for talking to my dead ghost dad. As like as he's kind of like become an adult and like now he knows what he's doing, he's kind of embraced it. He doesn't mind being called Spooky Jimmy anymore. Our headquarters just like at the Dane County Sheriff's like <laughs> department rewatching the wire lately kind of remember like the first season of the wire where they get like a real shitty kind of office that they get set up in somebody somewhere high up in the dean county sheriff's office did decide that this is something that needs to be addressed but since you're largely off the books they can't provide you with a ton of like state-of-the-art like equipment or like <laughs> facilities your budget and just your existence kind of more or less needs to be kept somewhat secret is he like nine to five or is this more like a nights and weekends kind of gig i don't envision so much paranormal activity going on in wisconsin at this time though the 80s were not like a hot spot for paranormal activity <laughs> yeah uh, probably like you guys are kind of like specialists that get called in when there's something that you know the regular csi and detectives can't necessarily <laughs> solve oh the coach phone's ringing there must be a case <laughs> Do the rest of the deputies today look at us disdain or uh, with respect? There are probably those that understand that you guys only kind of get called in when there's a real need for it. Would probably fall under more of the camp of like they respect your department. You're going to have peers who think that it's a big crock of shit. There's going to be a lot of them that probably don't even necessarily like know about the paranormal investigation group. Do you think anyone knows Shannon from 20 years ago? Tell me about your character again, because I don't remember the specifics of Shannon. So yeah, Shannon and... was a rookie cop, um, night shift. He's always dreamed of being a cop. Like, he just wanted to help people and protect people. I mean, if you trade out 20 years ago, I feel like there'd be, like, a couple people, like, old-timers on the force who still, like, might remember him, but, but yeah, yeah, probably I, not many. There, were <laughs> a lot, there was a lot of stuff that happened on the night shift that I couldn't explain, and eventually my belief in the paranormalness of it got me kicked off the force. And that's when I became a night cook at Monty's. <laughs> oh, yeah, Monty's Blue Plate. I forgot about that. <laughs> and I think I'm probably just going to say that in this story we're weaving that any establishments we're familiar with were at least in existence 
like by 1987. One of the reasons I stay a night cook is because I hear all the stories of the people that come in at night and the things that are seen around <laughs> Madison. <laughs> a great neighborhood for ghosts. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if he was on the force 20 years ago, there might be some veterans who are kind of, you know, just, you know, working their way up to getting that uh, retirement pension. And they, like, some of them probably remember you. I think a lot of, like, the younger police probably uh, don't you know know anything about you though maybe here or there they've heard rumors about like oh yeah shannon you know yeah he was a weirdo on the night shift but the way i like it mom tell me a little bit about hazel hazel well yeah see i was born mabel but after i was abducted my eyes turned hazel so that's like that's the one outward manifestation of my experience, and I like to play it up. I'm an abductee, call myself chosen one, because I don't think I was abducted. I was invited to be their kind of emissary on Earth and to watch out for the real bad guys, who are all the other aliens who are trying to take over. <laughs> the bad alien. There's actually one thing I remember about reading in your email you sent me that you refer to yourself as CO. CEO is typically used as commanding officer. So I'm wondering if that is a reflection of how Hazel sees her rank within the paranormal investigation group. I'm not going to shrink from that idea. I understand that I'm working with a former officer as long as I can be here and do good. Dad, please tell us about your character. I really think you have one of the more interesting origins. I'm Frank, bass player for the Drag Dress Dummies for a cover band. Right. Yes. right. Oh, although I'm looking into this other group starting to form up called Garbage, if they want me to be, you know, sing as well as be a bass player for Garbage. Garbage? Oh, 90s, garbage. like alt rock. They're 14, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to guide them. They're like up and coming on like the Madison basement, like, scene. See how that goes. Sort of a steampunk cross-dresser. I got a bustier, <laughs> goggles, you know. I'm not a... You wear a bustier? Drag dress dummies. I'm oh, okay. All right. They wear some weird shit. Yeah, I'm kind of a drug-fueled rock star. <laughs> oh, dude, a lot. 27 times, three times I died on purpose trying to get back to heaven, but the others were good times after shows. Apparently, I, I can't die. I just spawn up someplace. And some well, well, hold on. I don't know if I'm willing to let you make that canon that you cannot die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll just say I believe I can't die. <laughs> oh, okay. That's fair. <laughs> I would say that was probably the truth. <laughs> So you didn't really address any of the things that I had questions about. What in the hell is Frag? Because I thought you said it was like Frag was an angel, but has now been turned into a demon or something. Yeah, I'm working on I'm working on the backstory. Okay. How is that not the backstory? Yeah. How is that not square one where you start? No, let me tell you about my how I'm a bass player in a Kiss cover band first. Yeah. Not my divine origin as an angelic being. Garden Eden, Tree of Knowledge, the Tree of Good and Evil. But there's also some other weird fucking trees. Like it had a whole forest. There was like a tree of dildos. All kinds of trees like that. And the angels, they like, they'd go into this party eating some of wood. They'd party, they'd pick this shit off the trees and just start partying, you know, run around chasing each other, dildos, breasts, and whatever. They, they got to party so much. Eve complained. 
And the big guy, he spun up Rebecca, me. Keep the orchard from getting all the stuff picked away, an unauthorized picking of dildos. So I'm the only female, you know, kind of like Smurfette. So I, I was guarding these orchards. Michael, what a kick. He, he was always trying to pick something off the trees. Eve ratted that out. Some really rotten brotherhood of angels took revenge. She got blamed for all the shit come down on humanity. It did nothing like that happen. It was some of those fucking angels. So they also kicked me, fucked me up, and made me a male demon. So there's going to be some serious pain once I get back to heaven. I almost immediately like regretted asking you to tell me more about your character. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so like, how demonic are you? I guess that brings me to my next question is what is everybody's number? So, Dad, what is Frag's number? Well, in this case, I'm going to want a low number. He's fucking demonic as hell. So a two? Two. Mom, what is Hazel's number? Uh, I think Hazel's a five. Okay, very dove-centered character. Survival. Molly, what is Shannon's number? I think I would be like a three, because I am still care about people, but I, I will punch you in the face. Yeah, but you are you take action. So. Yeah, but I take action. And Nick, what is Spooky's number? Uh, Spooky's going to go with four. I like it. You're across. You have every number cover. I think I have a pretty good understanding of most of the characters at this point. Probably have more questions about yeah, Frag. More about in the- <laughs> yeah, a lot of questions when it comes to Frag. <laughs> yeah, is, we mentioned it earlier, the Artifact of Great Cost, uh, which may add uh, plus two dice at the cost of any harm or complication that I choose in exchange. Whoever carries it also has a secret cost, which I will tell you about privately. Yeah, I my, the first thing that came into my head for my character, like a true uh, Wiccan Ouija board. Like Ooh. a possessed Ouija board? Like, like a, yeah, an like actual a, functional yeah, Ouija board? Like, so that was my that was my thought, but you guys can... Oh, I like that. Yeah, I'm down with a, with a spooky Ouija board. I like that as well. I think that has a lot of potential to be very fun. Do some thinking on what I think this secret cost is that it and then i think i will text it to you individually molly but and, uh, I, and I can't talk about it with anyone secret. i mean it is a secret <laughs> there's two words in the name yes. one of them is secret but like <laughs> I, now i feel like i'm the worst person to have this because i'm the least experienced like gamer i like it all right I think I just I, think I came up with a pretty good secret cost, or at least one that I'm I like for the time being. So I'm gonna text Molly that real quick. As I'm going over the secret cost, I don't think it's going to be possible to keep it a secret because I think I'm going to kind of lean into a direction that I think is gonna be fun. You as characters, rather, your characters will not be aware, but I think you as players will be very aware of what is going on. So we'll say that uh the in 1987, when this story takes place, you guys got a call from Sheriff Ferris on your ghost phone or jankier version of that like red phone like military generals have that like connects them straight to the president the main reason i wanted it set in the 80s is because i did not want modern technology and cell phones to ruin the sort of mystery of things got a call from a sheriff and you uh, head over to the sheriff's office which is it's on Doty Street downtown, right off Capitol Square. You guys make your way over there, and I imagine that he kind of calls you in. You kind of meet in, like, conference room in the basement that's got older furniture. Like, the stuffing is kind of coming out of some of the chairs. Go down there. And 
kind of set the scene for me like what are you guys doing as you're kind of sitting in your kind of basement uh offices waiting for the sheriff to show up and brief you Spooky's kind of like he like flies into the parking lot in his rv like, <laughs> like it's hard to drive and he's just parked diagonally across like six spaces you see the side door of the rv kind of fly open and he's like unbuttoning his miller plant work shirt and he throws it off and puts on his slightly cleaner pig shirt <laughs> and you can see with somebody he's like well if you don't like my driving dad then why don't you drive oh wait you can't it's your fucking ghost no shut <laughs> i think as you're walking into the sheriff's office seemingly argue with yourself there's two sort of like patrolmen who are walking in the other direction and they hear you kind of talking to seemingly no one and they kind of look at each, they kind of look at each other and look at you like what the fuck and they like see that you're clearly putting on a sheriff's like uniform. <laughs> so I'm just gonna go down like the kind of order in which I took your character notes. Shannon. So what is what is Shannon's overall vibe as he's waiting around for the sheriff to brief him? He's really quiet and he's kind of just sitting in the corner. He is sipping on some straight whiskey. Just sipping on whiskey in the sheriff's office. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Another real quick question. What is Shannon's last name and what sort of like overall play style or like role did you choose for him? I'm a brawler. Like I'm a fighter. I'm like 80s at hipster like, John Wayne. At least okay. coffee to have a little subtlety. All right. Don't judge me. Figure what your role is. I was, just gonna... I was a fighter. Yeah. I have the ability or the strength, craftiness <laughs> yeah. to make bullets. Like I hollow out the bullets and then I put like stuff in holy water or pure silver or stuff. Kind of like a hunter role, almost like a blader of Van Helsing. What is your last name? Because I noticed there's not a last name in the email you sent me. Sharp. No. Hartwig. <laughs> uh, Hartwig? Okay. Yeah. Can I reserve the right to change that next week? You can retcon that whenever you want. I'm also eating an apple with my pocket knife. Okay. I like that. <laughs> I have considered having a toothpick like on my person to help me get into character. So. <laughs> Hazel Mertz. What are you hey. what are you getting up to sitting around the office waiting for the sheriff to show up? So can you tell me like the time of day that we got the call? It's actually like the middle of the night, uh, when you guys get the call. Shannon might have had to might have had to close down the kitchen a little bit early Monty's blue plate in order to Head over to the sheriff's office. Jimmy works the night shift because that's when the machines are running. So, so I pull into the parking lot in my uh, 1958 Rambler. That kind of you can hear it coming from a ways off. I my, I got bed hair and um, kind of grumpy. Yeah, because how far of uh, a drive is it from from Belleville? Takes me about a half hour. Got there a little bit before Jimmy did. Yeah, I uh, roll in and I uh, I always take. I look up at the sky. I'm always looking upward. And I just nod at Shannon, take my seat. Almost hesitate to ask, Dad, what is Frag up to? <laughs> Frag goes, dummies, we're playing a gig over at one of the burgs of Milwaukee. He came roaring over and he used Yugo and he peeled it. So he, he comes roaring into the parking lot. And, and of course, one of the one of the front wheels is one of those hard rubber replacement spares that you're only supposed to drive 50 miles on. And the back of the you know, car's got beer cans littered all over in the back. And there's probably a groupie passed out in the back seat too, because you know, it was a really good gig. A lot, a lot of drugs. It was great. This is such a fucking ride, guy, unit. <laughs> I'm just kind of coming out, and he's, you know, he's cool shoes on. He, you know, opens the truck, and he straps on his weapons, or at least slings them over his shoulder and coughs a lot. 
<laughs> and he starts headed towards the sheriff's office. How demonic are you? <laughs> <laughs> like, do you have horns, but you just wear a fedora all the time so nobody notices? Or... I mean, I think I'm going to make a ruling here that, like, you can't be too outwardly demonic. I think that people are really going to be aware of your demonic nature at this point. Spooky will believe in some weird shit because he's got a ghost dad. I don't know if he's just like, yeah, I'm just hanging out with a literal demon. Right. <laughs> I'm rocking my kiss outfit cross dress, so I, I I could look just as weird as fuck. So it, it, it'd be hard to tell. So just to make sure I'm understanding the situation correctly, you're pulling into the police department in a Yugo with a passed out groupie in the back with a bunch of empty beer cans. You look like a member of the band Kiss, and you're carrying a bunch of guns with you. <laughs> yeah, like, do they have a side door for you to go in? Because I feel like you couldn't just stroll through the lobby looking like that. I have a trench coat that I put on the lobby. <laughs> you're like Neo at the end of the Matrix? <laughs> with a weird with a weird hat <laughs> that makes me look like some sort of noir detective cross-dress. <laughs> I feel like that's somehow more suspicious. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it, he thinks per- Frank thinks it's a perfect disguise. <laughs> okay. So, and then one more thing I would like to clarify real quick. Does Frag have a last name or is he just like Prince or Adele? Yeah, I feel like he's definitely got the mononym. Frag, man. It's- Frag, that's what he puts down. <laughs> like when he's filling out his paperwork to join the Dade County Sheriff's Department, he just puts down Frag. There's no last name. Okay, great. So you guys kind of filter in to the the conference room like one at a time, and you're not waiting around too long until the sheriff kind of gets down there, he sits down, and uh, he's like, "Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for getting over here on uh, such short notice, everybody. We got a." Uh, Gonna, not gonna really uh, beat around the bush here. We got a pretty grisly scene around here, just down on campus. Looks like someone or something committed a pretty uh, heinous act against the university uh, students. He's a young man found just off of Langdon Street. You know, I don't know if words can really uh, uh, describe to you what happened here. And he kind of like throws like a dossier on the table in front of you. Be warned, it's not really uh, for the faint of heart you're going to see in there. We like you to, like, we get along or we... Here's what I would say. The sheriff is not outwardly or aggressively... Yeah, I mean, he's the sort of dude, like, you know, as long as you do your job and don't create too many problems for him, he's not going to hassle you over stuff. So what you guys see when you open up the folder and you kind of look through the, uh, the photographs from the crime scene, it's like this grisly crime scene where it, this kid has been attacked by like fucking like lion or a bear or something like that claw marks bite marks he was like food for whatever attacked him are there Um, like parts of him missing like they got eaten yeah definitely like some stuff got chewed on you know the meat of like his torso and abdominal area has missing in chunks what time of the year is i think it's like april so yeah it's like kind of getting near the end of like springs do we think it was a hodag that came out of hibernation early <laughs> sheriff ferris looks at you and just says hodag <laughs> <laughs> was it a bear <laughs> like it is coming out of hibernation like bears should be in madison <laughs> yeah you know deputies and i thought the same thing some kind of rogue bear or cougar maybe even a fucking hodag. wolf or something that managed to make it down and under the isthmus corner their initial reports are saying it's not necessarily in line with the uh, typical bite mark patterns we would expect from any of those species uh, it's a pretty pretty bizarre case, uh, so I want to get your opinion on it. So were there any witnesses? No, I mean, no, like, 
eyewitnesses called in by like another college kid called into the police. But uh, by the time they showed up, found this uh, young man had already met his demise. It's not a Greek initiation, right? It just went all fucked up, is there? He, at this point, he's like pinching like the bridge of his nose. A Greek initiation right where they eat each other? <laughs> like, Jimmy's like, well, like, you know, uh, like, I don't know, maybe those crazy college kids rented a tiger or something. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Jimmy's a little salty because he, like, he's, like, he's from a lower middle class, like, Italian family, so he didn't get to go to college, so he's, like, a little salty about it. He says something like, yeah, you know, I guess you guys could follow up on any uh, uh, tiger rental agencies in uh, the area and see if they did any deliveries to frat row. <laughs> like, yeah, like, Jimmy's like, yeah, I mean, I've seen Animal House. Anything could happen. That's a good movie. I'm like, fucking Ghostbusters. That movie's the shit. <laughs> uh, I have a question for you, sir. Go for it, Shannon. Who were the first two officers on the scene? Will they talk to us? In terms of first two officers on the scene, it probably would have been Madison police officers responding to the call. want to know if they're going to, like, work with us or be resistant. (laughs) (laughs) At this point, there's any sort of rivalry between the sheriff's office and the uh, Madison uh, Police Department. Body has been moved to the coroner's office, but the crime scene is still active, looking for any sort of clues that they can find. Is, like, the body here at the office? Like, is the coroner's office there? So, I mean, a couple of us could take the RV down to the crime scene, and a couple of us could head to the coroner's office. I have I have an interest in examining the body, getting a first-hand look at, at the wounds to see if I think they might be of alien origin. Yeah, I'll go with her. So Hazel and Frag are going to go to the coroner's office, while Shannon and uh, Jimmy are going to take the RV over to the crime scene. Sounds like a plan. All right, and that is episode one of Bankston Family Fun Time. I hope you all enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed playing. We have plenty of more episodes coming for you in the future. We're going to keep them short and sweet in the meantime until we gauge some interest, you know, who's actually out there listening, see how things go in the future. Check the SoundCloud for episode updates. We're going to try and keep them fairly regular, at least once a week. If possible, we'll try to get them to you sooner than that. The other thing I wanted to mention is that we have also been doing recordings of a 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons campaign that we've been playing. That one, uh, my brother Nick is the Dungeon Master, and if you uh, enjoy listening to us playing Doves and Demons, I think you'll also enjoy us playing Dungeons & Dragons together, because it's a lot of the same kind of wacky antics. The only thing that you'll notice when we get around to uploading those episodes is that We will not be playing with Molly. Instead, we will be joined by my best friend, Robert. Again, we have a tremendous amount of fun playing that campaign. More to come on that in the future. I'm just going to kind of tease you with that right now. And, uh, you know, I hope you all uh, stay tuned. Uh, We're having a great time doing this, and uh, we're really looking forward to bringing you more episodes. Uh, Thanks for joining us, everybody. Bye.